Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Mason Aid. Mason is an incoming University of Missouri MBA JD candidate, LGBTQ advocate, neurodiversity advocate, as well as a keynote speaker and TEDx St. Louis speaker. And you have another TEDx too. Hi, Mason. How are you? I am doing great. Who did you do the other TEDx talk for? West Middle School in Columbia. In Columbia, Missouri. Yeah. Coolio. So that was that was a lot of fun because it was about 10, 13-year-olds and about four adults. Oh, really? Yeah. So okay. it was a bunch of kids. Oh, my like, gosh. They The middle school put on this TEDx event, and they invited me as a community member to do TEDx. And I was wow. like, sure. Yeah, I'll be there. A little bit different than TEDx St. Louis. Though, a little I bit imagine. different. Yes. <laughs> we're, yes. We're a little bit on the, yeah, we're like, dun, 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 I know. I appreciated it because I need that. <laughs> did you like the experience? I mean, it's a, I it's a lot it, of damn work. I know that, it but is. it's worth it, right? It, it was so worth it. You know, I, I know that I could have pulled something together on my own that would have been good. But what I pulled together was excellent because yeah. I had the iteration and the remind and the feedback and the input of of people who have done it before and people who know what they're doing. Yes, we like making real TED talks. Like that's like a thing for yeah. us. That's one of our like, woo! Look at us go. Um, so let's talk about your talk. First of all, let me just say this. So we had auditions. Mason was one of the people that we chose to audition for us, and you were one of the people that were a 10, right? You know, we were like, for sure. So not only was your stage presence great, but the let's talk about your topic. Because yeah. it's a very now and very needed topic. It is. So I have, I draw parallels from roller derby to what to do when you biff it in inclusion. Because we're all going to say something ignorant in the in the most gracious usage of the word ignorant, we're right. all going to say something ignorant right. just it's, because we don't know any better. It's it's coming. It's not coming from a place yeah. of being mean. It's just it, it's not intentionally meant to hurt anyone's feelings. It's just we are getting used to. And let me just say this one thing real quick. One of the things I asked you during one of the um, our practices because your pronouns are he they, and I wanted to understand the they, yes. which I I do biff it in that, and I have a have an issue with that. I just can't get it out of my mouth right. I'm working on it, so I biff it, and then I go, I know I'm working on this, but I liked the way you described that to me. Do you remember what you yeah, told me? I so for me, and of course everyone's experience is different, but for me, they is a political statement. They is me, you know, I am on testosterone. I am starting to pass as male more often. And I could, I could do that. But I really feel like I am here to challenge people and to challenge their assumptions and to make them ask questions. And so they will always be there because and it embraces part of my story. It, you know, it embraces the community too. And I think is a, a, yeah. that's one of the things you you shared with me. You said, you know, this is me supporting the LGBTQ yeah. community that as a is, whole, which I was like, oh, that's lovely. I I love educating, and I love doing this work. And not everyone does, and not everyone's cut out for it. 
So if I can take the weight off of a kid's shoulders to explain they them to their parents, perfect. Right. Let's, let's do it. Yeah. And you've had to do this in your own community where you grew up yep. with your parents who you've been gracious with allowing them to step into all of this at their own time with the com- people like there's some people they don't feel so comfortable with and there's other people they feel I am comfortable and I can I can do this but I love that you are allowing people that space. Yeah, I had I had a realization probably about 5 years ago with my parents where I grew up in a very rural community in northeast Missouri. So like we're talking closest neighbor was my grandparents 2 miles away if you went as the, as the bird flew. And you know, growing up I didn't have any LGBTQ representation. I I knew that gay men existed, but that's about all I knew. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everyone comes from their own starting point, but I had a lot to learn about my own community. Right. And I realized that while I went through most of the process of coming out back in 2007 and 2011, my parents have to come out too. My parents have to... Ch- choose and navigate being out as the parents of a trans kid. Right. And as much as sometimes it hurts, they have agency in that. Mm-hmm. And I can have conversations and we can we can learn and grow together. But you know, my my parents live in their community and I love that community. But there are people who don't agree with me. And my parents, you know, in small small towns, everybody knows everybody and everybody yep. knows everybody's business. Yep. So, you know, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know, I could go on and on about how much I love rural America. <laughs> um, because, but, it, but, but, it's, but it's challenging. It's, it has. And so and you're you're a trailblazer and that is a big responsibility. And it's also really difficult because trailblazers, gen, you know, generally speaking, trailblazers do not have a guide. They have to, they're the ones going, getting the brush all out of the trail. Yep. Like, oh my gosh, this is so much work. So that those that, that are coming behind them have an easier route. And I feel that it's still not easy. And you mentioned something on LinkedIn the other day about I'm feeling invisible, which I want to talk about. Um, but it, it's still not easy, but it is easier. And there are support systems now that can be found. Yes. I, you know, I look back on being a, a kid, you know, I mean, just the internet, just simply having the internet and that right. resource. To be able to find community yeah. and to find information safely, that's huge, that especially huge. for rural kids who may not have a person in their life who they see. Right. But they can go online and find the community and find the support they need. You know, that's like my my big driving mission statement is, you know, the Trevor Project, which is an LGBTQ um nonprofit that focuses on mental health, Mm -hmm. they have a statistic from research they've done that one safe adult in the life of a LGBTQ teen reduces suicidality by 40%. Oh, wow. All it takes is one person 
how do I reach that one person in, in the rural Midwest? How do I reach the people in the smaller towns who maybe don't agree and aren't sure what to do with it, but they know they love this kid and they don't want this kid to hurt themselves or die? Right. And wow. how do I equip yeah. them to be that safe person while also respecting where they are in their journey? You know, it's interesting, and I think that because I lived in a small town for a while, and I was definitely the odd person out because I was very open, inclusive, and what have you. But um, there, you know, I think that it helped certain kids in our community to know that there were people that weren't judgy like mm-hmm. that, that, you know, didn't have— it's hard to say, but we did find a lot of people that what I call blinder people, the people that just have the blinders on and like, do not make me look outside my blinders. I just mm-hmm. want to do what's in front of me. Please don't make me. It's too scary. It's too weird. I can't handle it. I can only do this, um, which, man, you guys are missing out on a bunch of cool stuff and, yeah. and, and knowing a bunch of cool people. Just saying. Truth. But there's um, there's. I like that thought, like almost like if you are that person, I mean, be verbal about it so that the people within that community that need to have that safe place of you're okay, you're fine. Don't you're don't be like thinking there's something wrong with you when there really is nothing wrong yeah. with you. That is huge. Yeah, you know, I I look back, I don't know how much of my story pre coming out, I have told you. you I, you've shared so, some. I don't know about all of it, so tell me. Once upon a time, I was a conservative Christian. And as I started my TEDx talk with, mm-hmm. in 2004, I voted against gay marriage in, in the state of Missouri. But before that, from 2002, when I was a senior in high school, until 2007, I was inpatient in psychiatric units seven times for self-harm and suicidal ideation. In 2004, I applied for disability and my parents were being prepared for me to be in a group home and maybe have a part-time job. And then that spring, as I was applying for disability and waiting to find out about that, my dad would bribe me out of bed with French toast and we'd go and we'd, we'd build fence to move cattle to the next pasture and something clicked that spring. I I don't know what it is, but I got a job at Casey's making gas station pizza because what else do you do in rural Missouri? And they make good gas station pizza. It is the best gas station pizza. (laughs) I signed me up. Yes. Uh, So I worked at Casey's for the summer and decided I was going to go to Mizzou and study sociology. And I came to Mizzou and I came to Columbia and for the first time, I saw positive LGBTQ representation. Nice. And that girl at the library cafe winked at me, and I liked it. (laughs) And I freaked out. (laughs) Because I knew that this this attraction that I had always had and always known about, but pushed down and ran from and, you know, talk about being in the closet. I literally hated myself almost to death because of what I believed about myself. Well, what society puts out there. Um, What society has has shown is this is what's okay and acceptable and what you should do. And, you know, I think all of us deal with that on some level, but not at the level you're talking about. This is a a much bigger deal. I... 
one of my paths in life that I will continue to re- return to is how did I get here? Because that 17-year-old kid who was self-harming is so far from where I am today. I was going to say, it's almost like you have become a completely different person. I, like, coming out and living my life and learning to accept and love myself for who I am has been transformative beyond being LGBTQ. Mm -hmm. You know, it's accepting that my ADHD brain is a little special sometimes (laughs) and learning how to work with it instead of against it and giving myself permission to biff it. You know, I'm like so many of us a perfectionist and like, and, but I'm, I'm, I'm the perfectionist that if I don't, if I don't feel like I can do it well enough, I don't do it at all. I quit early. Got Yeah. So people are like, you're not over this. Um, we are much better at this. Okay. <laughs> this it is, is a work in progress. Yeah. Because per, perfectionism is, yeah. It, it's, it, you can, know. it can be paralyzing. Yeah. yeah. And like I, I have had people put me on a pedestal and I have, received awards and done TEDx talks (laughs) and there's a dissonance as I look at my past and then look at where I am now because you know there are people sometimes in therapy they're like you know write a letter to your 16 year old self and I'm like 16 year old self would hate me (laughs) 16 year old self 16 year old self would be like would be fascinated (laughs) and like intrigued and like but would also be like, I'm going to save you for Jesus. Ah, yes. Got you. And okay. wouldn't listen to a word I had to say. Got you. Because I wasn't there yet. I wasn't ready. I wasn't where I needed to be to finally say, this is going to kill me. And I need to come out to save myself. What was it? So, so things started to change when you were out with dad, yeah. making the fences for the cattle and all and what have you. But, and then you're in college. Do you, do you recall when the feeling of, of like, I am comfortable now with who I am. I know, I know what my outside needs to look like in order to reflect what's inside. Uh, and I'm going to start, start making that happen. Like when, so I, after going to Mizzou, I came out. I flunked out because coming out is not easy. That seems like its own education and realization. Yes. And that seems like a lot of energy. <laughs> it was it was a lot of energy. And, you know, I, I got a job in a textbook warehouse. And I was really good at getting the books off the shelf and into the bin, mm-hmm. into the box and ready to go on to the college students. Not so good at getting the books on the shelf because I would read them. Oh, wow. So education, we learned, right? We learned. Okay. And there was a book about a woman who presented as male as like a thought experiment, you know, the living a year, whatever. Got yeah. And something clicked as I read that book when I should have been putting it on the shelf. Um, and And I realized that Yes, I had come out as being attracted to women, 
but I needed to come out again. Right. And it has been a slow process to get to where I am, where I'm really comfortable with my gender and embrace my femininity and my masculinity. And and it's it's ever evolving. Right. As as everyone's gender identity is. Right. And but I would say somewhere around 2013, 2014, I really started to settle into myself. And that's when I started volunteering with PRISM, which is an LGBTQ teen organization in Columbia, uh, run through the center project. And these kids who were out and proud and facing so much hate and discrimination in school and bullying. And when I get frustrated or get angry or get sad, I think about those kids because I wasn't able to be out as a kid, mm-hmm. but I didn't have to deal with a lot of the struggles of being out as a kid. Right. And what can I do to make their path one bit easier? Right. You know, there was a research I saw on LinkedIn uh, posted that there is, if you put your pronouns on your resume, there's discrimination. If you use non-binary pronouns, if you use they, them, or Zizir, or any other. I can imagine that happens. They've they've done, there's been uh, people that, like, I remember a Latino gentleman one time that quit using Juan on his, and, and started using John and all of a sudden was getting interviews and you're like, whoa. And you that's know, what I have I have considered taking my pronouns off my resume, but I can't. Yeah. Because yeah, I get it. if one organization goes, huh, haven't thought about that in my hiring processes yet. Great. I just yeah. I just did the work. Yeah. Right. Oh, Check. gosh. Wow. Done. Like, and if it, and if a door doesn't open because my pronouns are in my resume, then it's not where I want to be anyway. Right. So it's also my way of filtering out employers that I work do. for do you. I, do I want to? Do you get to have me exactly. as an employee? Exactly. If, if you're not quite there yet, uh, I'm happy to be the person to help you get there as long as we have open dialogue and transparency yes. about what's going to happen. Wow. Yeah. So let's talk about LinkedIn. You made a comment the other day that really teared me up, and I want to talk about that. Okay. So your comment was basically, I feel invisible because of what's going on with Missouri. Yeah. Missouri has... I don't, I honestly haven't been keeping up with it because it is too much, but there are multiple bills that will ban transgender girls in sports in high school that will make gender transition for minors illegal. Um, it's, it's terrifying because I, there's, there's this dissonance mm-hmm. like there is always where I I love Missouri. Right. I especially love rural Missouri. Yeah. There are so many good people in rural Missouri who are only hearing one side of the story. And the question I wrestle with is how do I how do I have those conversations while maintaining my mental health? And you know, I've kind of accepted that 
I am not going to be at the rallies or at the Capitol speaking. My place is in the one-to-one conversations with individuals in my hometown, with people. Like, the best compliment I've ever gotten was a 72-year-old former conservative Democrat senator from Columbia who said, wow, Mason, in one breath, you were this radical gender ideology that was way beyond me. And in the next, you were just a Shelby County kid that I could understand. Oh, nice. Whoa. How, you know, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm scared. It is scary. And, you know, the thing that I keep coming back to is, do you really think that this is something that is taken lightly. That one day someone just wakes up and goes, I would like to change my gender. Uh, let me no. get the surgery done. Let me give the doctor yeah. a call and get this thing scheduled. It, you know, there is a lot a of lot. work that goes into it. There, there is therapy and there's working with various types of medical, mental professionals before this decision is, all right, we're going to, we, yeah. you know, yes, this makes sense. Um, I see that becoming less and less over time as we, mm-hmm. we, we are become more knowledgeable that, about what's going on. But it is not like this decision that's made, I mean, it's just not made lightly. Yeah, And no. so why in the world do we feel this need to be like illegal? Yep. Just illegal. It, I would get illegal if there was somebody out there like, this is what we're going to, you know, a doctor yeah. just prescribing it out of nowhere. You know what I yeah. mean? I mean, we allow it with know, certain medications. <laughs> I, I um, understand, like, some of the fears with trans kids transitioning. Mm-hmm. I, I can see where people are coming from who don't support that. Hormone blockers, puberty blockers it just delays puberty and you know i don't they delay puberty i think that they use that for gymnasts possibly yeah i've heard this before like surprised like gymnasts you know are starting to go through puberty and that's gonna really make it difficult like you know ones that are up there in the like you know know, i could be going to the olympics and we're allowing it for that so is that going to become illegal as well yeah. You know, and it's I, I look at my personal experience and like the way my brain and body operated on estrogen was so much less healthy than the way my brain and body operates on testosterone. Mm-hmm. Like I I literally think more clearly. Like it's it's like your because your brain isn't wrestling with your body. Exactly. Don't you think that that like, has something I, to do with it? You know, I see my facial hair coming in, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I love yeah. it. It's still, it's, it's still the, like it's, thirteen it's those, year old teenage oh, boy. Gosh, it's that's so bad. Awesome. Yes, it's I love so bad, it. but I'm so proud of it. And I feel like I can breathe. I feel like I can exist and maybe I fear going to the bathroom in certain locations. Yeah. But I don't fear taking my own life in the same way that I did before. That is 
so awesome and amazing. And then what you said right before that about, you know, where you're using the restroom, I I know there has to be things that most of us, like that we don't have to navigate. So I, I am always very interested in seeing through the eyes of another human being because that helps me understand like, you know, I, mean, I don't have to think about it. You know, I don't, you know, I have to navigate this world in that way. And then when you hear about someone who's, I have to navigate the world in this way. If there's not an all gender bathroom, I'm standing in front going, oh, which one am I, I going to use? Which mm -hmm. one am I not going to, you know, cause issues or, you yeah. know, what have you? That has to be, so that, that says a lot for what we need to have all gender bathrooms. Yes. That's a big one. That makes um, a huge difference. Huge and, difference. And like the ways it it's so second nature to me now mm -hmm. that i it, it's just what i do you know like today i had to make a decision as to which bathroom i would use in the coffee shop i was at and i was like okay i'm going to use the men's and it was occupied and it was anxiety provoking but i kept my head down and you know we're all there to do our business so right. like why does it matter right you know, but it's and and as a parent of a daughter, I I I enjoy going camping and being in the, in the outdoors, and I also fear going camping and being in the outdoors because if I go alone or with just me and my kid and have that you know Baba daughter bonding time, like, am I putting my kid in danger? Oh, gosh, because amazing. I exist. Right. And because I have the audacity to be authentic and embrace myself for who I am. You know, and that's when I look at rural communities, it's it's insider versus outsider status more than anything. Right. I can go home and people are like, oh, that's just that Mason kid. Whatever. Yeah. Right. right I belong. Right. But if I'm in a different community, they don't know me. And... I truly believe in the good of people, but there are some people who are not good. Yeah. Oh, there are, unfortunately, quite a few. Mm -hmm. um, there are so many great people, but then there's just these people that ruin it for the rest of us, which yeah. is another. But, you know, then that goes back to the whole, how were you raised? Where were mm -hmm. you raised? What, you know, it's, ah. Yeah. So... Tell me this. Um, I want to get to my my kind of fun questions, but I, I want you tell tell people where they can find out more about you. How is best to connect with you? Yeah, LinkedIn is where I'm hanging out these days. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm there a lot. <laughs> Mason Aid, do the do the search. Um, I have a website that I'm. It's in progress. That is Midwest-Pride.com. So I am hoping to do more blogging and be more active there, but mostly I'm on LinkedIn. Got yeah, Very cool. Very Kinda cool. Kind of cut social media out in general beyond LinkedIn. Got ya. I get it. I get it. Taking care of the brain. The brain is important. The brain is very me. important. Oh my gosh. Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah. Now I have some interesting questions for you. Ready? Ready. So... I think this is this is what's so cool to me is that um, you talked about 
I think it was another one of your LinkedIn posts about how you learned so much about business from working at Starbucks, yes. which is so cool. Yes. I actually learned a lot about business. Like now I have this great business coach that Josh Lovely like helps me with everything. But previous to Josh, most of what I learned was in the restaurant business. I worked at um, Sydney Street Cafe with Tom and Lisa McKinley. And I, I learned a lot from Tom yeah. McKinley about business. I mean, it, I was like... He is an amazing business person. I've learned so much. But you learned a lot from Starbucks, which makes me want to know what your favorite Starbucks drink is. <laughs> I, you know, I, it, it varies. Okay. But what I'm most, when I'm feeling fancy. All right. I'll get a grande salted cream cold foam cold brew in a venti cup extra foam light ice. Ooh. When I'm on your average day, I'll get a grande cold brew with oat milk. Gotcha. But if I'm feeling fancy, if I've got the gift card mm -hmm. and we're going big or I've got the free drink. I'm with you. You know, we're. Get the fancy drink. Yeah. Oh, isn't that so funny? We've done that before. My daughter and I are like, do we want fancy drinks or are we just getting regular drinks today? <laughs> I One of my favorite Starbucks stories is an an older, you know, blue collar gentleman comes through the drive-thru with his kids or grandkids. I don't know. But he was like, I got a complicated one. And we were like, okay, we're ready. Is this you know, we were like, this, remember the secret Starbucks menu? You'd be oh like, goodness. I want the Captain Crunch latte. Or, oh. yeah. And then so, I, my so, daughter would do those. And I'd go up there. That'd be 1048. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> for this one drink? Yeah. But this guy, he was like, I've got a complicated order. And we were like, all right, we're ready for you, sir. And he was like, a grande caramel frappuccino. Well, that was his complicated order. That was his order. complicated order. Wow. But for, you know, for him, someone who is not a Starbucks connoisseur, right. like, that's complicated. That's really and that a complicated was, thing to get out of my mouth. Yeah. yeah. And that was so funny to me. Just, you know, I don't know. I, I worked at Starbucks for six years and I stayed because I felt safe. Very And cool. because I was embraced. And it's... Like, as a shift supervisor at Starbucks, working with the public, navigating difficult conversations with customers, being yelled at, cleaning a milk fridge. You know, what does leadership look like when you have, you know, you need to get the bathroom cleaned, you need to get the trash out to the dumpster, yes. and the milk fridge has a pile of spoiled milk in the bottom. Mm -hmm. How do you delegate that? Okay, I'm going to take the task that nobody wants and I'm going to be the one crawling in the milk fridge. Yeah. It's 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 that's, service. That's servant leadership. Yeah. And servant that's leadership. What I aim for and it's it makes me laugh because I'm getting my MBA. So I started my MBA in the fall. Which congratulations on that. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, so I'm getting my what MBA. What is MBA JD? Uh Juris Doctor. I'm going to law school too. <gasps> Starting law school in the Dang, fall. Going to get both. This Why not? Why not? Perfectionist person. <laughs> Well, so it's... <laughs> Let me get everything done just right at once. Yeah. I love it. It, I have always known I wanted an advanced degree. Yeah. And I was unhappy in a job fall of 2021 and just kind of started throwing darts and landed on data science, business, and law. And so I kind of chased all three. Uh-huh. And I applied to the data science program and got in at Mizzou. I applied to the MBA program at Mizzou and got in. I applied to the law program at Mizzou and got waitlisted. Ah. So I went on and started the MBA. I realized that with my career goals, that made more sense than doing the data science degree. 
And, you know, I kind of was like, okay, I got waitlisted. That's the universe telling me I'm not, you know, law school is not for me. And then, you know, August came around and applications opened in September and I got waitlisted with an application I threw together in two days. What if I put a little more energy into this and see Mm -hmm. what happens? So in part to just prove it to myself, because my undergrad GPA due to my mental health issues um, is below a 2.0. Okay. Okay. (laughs) It's not shiny. Yeah, gotcha. Um, But like, I was like, I need to prove to myself that I can do this. And, you know, with law, like I've realized that these three disparate areas really go well together. Three or four, depending on whether you throw diversity in the mix. Right. Data privacy yeah. in the internet age. So that's where Web3 is taking us. Yes. Where we and, own our own, mm-hmm. right? We own our yeah. own data where it's not going to be a free for everybody who just wants it. Yeah. And that arena of data privacy law and the ethics behind business You are kind of bringing it all together. I'm bringing it all together. I love it. And bringing a diverse lens to the conversation because, yes, the algorithms are biased because they were coded by humans. Yeah, right. And humans are biased. Yes. So how do you mitigate bias, diverse views? Have someone else look at the code. I love it. And, you know, This is so cool that you're putting that all together. I I am very much in a transitional space in my life right now where I'm going to school. I'm I'm pursuing this goal and I honestly don't know what the end goal is. Like I don't have transitional on every level. Yeah. On every level right now. Yeah. It's a lot. Are you taking quiet time? Um, I have been walking more. Okay, good. You need you need I have been doing the walk in process. This is a lot. Yeah, it's it's a lot, and it's really exciting. Right, I, and you're right, because I get it. It's like, it's so much fun. I'm in a transitional place myself right now. Um, not to the level you are, but definitely in a transitional place, and it, that's the feeling. It's like, this is so much fun. Oh, what are, where am I really going here? Like, do yeah. I know what I'm doing? I feel a little wonky. It's okay, though. This is good. So, but the quiet time I have found is extremely necessary during this time. I am also in a place where I took a break from business and from doing diversity work because I got burnt out. I'm in a place where I want to start diving in again. But I also know that I am working, going to school. Yeah, that's a lot. Raising a child, mm-hmm. being a social human. And I only have so much capacity. Right. So what what does showing up for the business look like for me now in this space in life where I know that I'm laying groundwork for the whatever the future brings? Right. You know, in a dream and world. It's very significant groundwork. Yeah. yeah. You know, in a dream world, I I want to be on stage. And I just want to be paid to tell my story and to let people know that it's okay to not know what you're doing or to have the difficult conversation or to have the conversation in the first place, even though you don't know if you're going to say the right thing. Right. And well, you've proven that's that you the can, dream that you are 
very stage worthy. So, okay, I've got this interest. This I noticed. What did you learn from building a second brain by Tiago Forte? Is that how it's yeah. Tiago's name? Tiago looks like a model. Yes, <laughs> he does. <laughs> Um, so building a second brain is all about having like, okay, so I'm in school, I'm working, I have got, I am accumulating documents left and right, mm -hmm. like papers I want to read, items I want to per peruse. And there's this concept that you take notes on what you read and you take notes on what you write and you write and you get it out into a notebook, and then you don't look at it for a while. Mm -hmm. And then you're able to see the disparate connections between the thoughts you have. And and with my scattered ADHD brain, one of my superpowers is to see connections that other people don't see. Yep. So building a second brain helps facilitate seeing those connections. You know, who would think diversity in roller derby? Well, right. Like – but you, you put but those it, together it, like, to and me, that's I'm what like, makes yeah. a super interesting talk because it's – you just don't – most people are not going to put those two together and then it's put together and it's like, oh. Yeah. And it's – I – you know, I remember in, in high school – my my friends would come to me and be like, oh, man, can you help me with this math problem? I'd be like, here's how to do it and show them. <laughs> and they'd be like, that's not – how the teacher showed us to do. I was like, yeah, but it works. Right. Because yes. my brain just understood it differently. My daughter did the same thing. Math was such a challenge because of how it was taught to her. And she would know how to get to the answer, but she would get to the answer in a different way. I had this issue. Uh, I'm going to really date myself, but way back when I was in college and learning like early coding for mm -hmm. Tran, you know, that kind of yeah. stuff. And I had an issue with a teacher that did not want to give me an A in the class because I didn't do it like he taught me to. And I was like, yeah, but it works. But it works and it's I didn't have to write as much stuff. Yeah. Like if this was just a a cleaner yeah. way to get to it, I felt and he he was upset he was not gonna give me an A and I went and talked to the dean. I'm like, <laughs> this is not fair. Nope. Like just because I figured out a new way to do it mm -hmm. does not mean I should not get an A and the, thankfully the dean agreed with me. But yeah, yeah. it was um it's it's interesting how our our brains work differently, and instead of the, uh, you know if if it works, it works. So mm -hmm. instead of being told, "Sorry, you didn't go through the process that I taught you," it it should be celebrated. Like, whoa, this That's is cool! Creative. You have figured out this different yeah. way to do this. I would like to learn more from you on how or, you got there. Yes, this works in these cases, but in these cases it won't. So you need to learn this way of doing it. Yeah. So and like, like, explain why that right. is. That is one thing I learned at Starbucks is like in all of their materials that go out to partners in the stores. There's a why behind it. Yeah. Like why we do cleaning the way we do the it, why. and like I need the why. Yeah. Or I am, or else I'm going to be. I'm, or else I'm going to ask you why. And be like, why do we do or it this way? Or feel like you're making me do something that's stupid. Yeah. And instead of feeling like if it's I have stupid, like here's why we do that. Oh, that's cool that and Starbucks that, does that. Like one thing I miss about Starbucks is the processes and routines. Yeah. It's standard at Starbucks. I could walk – I could still walk into any Starbucks, make a drink. That's a, a huge big project for a company. My company is always like in the state of we got to put a process to this. And thankfully I've, I've got – 
people that are good mm-hmm. at processing things. But, you know, you have to put a process to things eventually or you, you can't grow. Yeah. That's just exactly. – it is a tough lesson for a person like me who is terrible at processes. Um, I need – I thankfully, I have a team that just keeps Mish on the process <laughs> and realizes she's not going to fill out that stuff she's supposed to fill out. So we just have to remind her or do it for her or walk her through it. But, you know, it's – I know it's extremely important. Mm-hmm. All right. This next one's easy for you because it just is. But it's a kindness. So I want you to tell me – Top of mind, a kindness you either received or you gave or you just witnessed. There are so many. That's the problem, right? That's the problem. It's easy for you, but it's also difficult. So just the top of mind one. Um, This morning or no, last night when I picked my daughter up from after school care, the teacher was like, you know, she is just such a delight to have. What's her name? Ashby. Okay. And that was just wonderful. A delight. Just that she's a delight. And I agree. Of course. Obviously. She, yes. But I'm partial. So, you know, maybe she's it's not nice a delight. It's nice to hear school, from another person, so it's right? nice to hear from another person. Yeah. Yes. I love it. Validate me. All right. <laughs> Thanks, teacher. <laughs> exactly. Well, all right, Mason Aid, thank you. I mean, thank I thank you. you from the bottom of my heart. One, for being an amazing TEDx St. Louis speaker, but really for the work that you're doing in this world and the thoughtfulness you're putting into it right now with, you know, the, the degrees you're putting together and how you're looking at a very big picture. And and you're gonna help lead us in that way where we don't have the biases where we start to see through the cracks of things we aren't doing so hot and we need to get better at, and then also giving us the grace to be a little wobbly with it and not perfect but willing to learn. Exactly. That is – most people are are not bad people. They just don't know any better. Yeah. And you can't do better until you know better. Exactly. So let's learn together. Thanks for teaching us. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Mason. Thank you. And for all of you out there, you have been listening to Mishmash Podcast. So go out and be kind. And, and, you know, if you biff it, pick yourself up, learn, and try again. Move forward. There you go. Thank you all. Love you.